My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they taught me how to shoot with a steady hand. I guess that's something you don't understand. Welcome to another episode of All American Wing Shooter Podcast. And today is brought to you by SCI First for Hunters. This is one of my first female friends within SCI. I'm so excited to have Britt Longoria on. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Finally, I get to see you. It's been so long. I know. And we missed this past convention. So that was that was weird. I think that was probably the first SEI convention that I've not gone to in maybe 25, almost 30 years. That was very strange. Oh, and I hate you missed it because it was so special. We still talk about the move to Nashville, the different culture it brought being in a different town and really just being in the South, I think changed so much. No, I think it's I think it's really cool because even just the difference between Reno and Las Vegas, you can see just a, a shift in the energy and the vibe and stuff. And I mean, not that one's better than the other, um, but you can tell based on the community that it's in. And so I'm, I'm glad that they're going to do it again next year in Nashville, too. OK, so we haven't got to catch up about all the things from convention, which is Probably like so heartbreaking to me that you weren't there because of how special this was for us. So SCI convention launched women go hunting this year for the first time. And it was the theme of convention to bring more of a focus on the female hunters that are involved in the organization and the opportunity that that hunting community and the organization provides for women. Right. It was such a windstorm of, um, participation that now women go hunting SCI is a legit thing and it's going to take on its own character and new com- like community and events and they're already making plans for next year for women go hunting um events during the week so we're gonna have to catch you up on all the cool things I know it was it was neat because I was involved on some of the the conference calls when they were developing ideas and just kind of I want to say spitballing but just seeing what made sense what people were interested in um, and it was definitely a lot of uh, energy around it that, that people wanted to do more and showcase more things whether it was the the fashion show and be able to highlight some options for women because I mean growing up I would tailor my own hunting clothes to be able so that they'd fit and you know that I would feel at least a little bit more comfortable rather than that I was just wearing men's clothes so I think that all of the steps and processes and highlights on how to make women feel like a woman right. is, is such an important concept as well. Well, you and I have very different backgrounds because um, we're both wing shooters and I know you do so much more, but I love our wing shooting connection because your dad was one of the first people I ever met in the wing shooting community. So um, I came into this as 
on the competitor side, initially, that's how I got introduced to wing shooting. So I didn't care what I looked like, really. I mean, I didn't even worry about it because I didn't know there was even options back then. Like, I just wanted to be able to not sound like an idiot. I didn't want my dog to humiliate me, which did she did anyways, because you don't know <laughs> until you know. Um, and and then I wanted to make sure that I, I was efficient with my skills. Sure. And so I, I really had a whole different intro into the industry because it wasn't just for fun or for conservation or for the tradition of hunting, right? It was really serious. And um, so I kind of got introduced to wing shooting through <laughs> a random way. And then when I get into it and I'm like, oh, well, we really do have options, you know, and so I'm I'm trying to retrain my thought as to women really want to feel connected and prepared. And then it's okay. Like they just want to know enough information to stay safe and have fun. Sure. Absolutely. And my yeah, mine was kind of backwards, which with your story starting in Africa, I mean, you were more like on survival mode. I didn't have to worry about something coming after me. <laughs> um, I just I just wanted to make sure I could hit the birds because it counted every time like I couldn't miss, you know. So that was my focus. But it is really cool. We um, The ladies event was very relaxed. So the women go hunting morning was just a, like a mix and mingle. There was... No real decor. There was bar set up for mimosas and Bloody Marys. And that was like it. And it was this room full of women that hunt all different types of things in all different regions of the world. And everybody came there to just support each other and have fun together. I've, I mean, I've done ladies events all over the country with different organizations, and this really was the best one. And I had no idea what to expect when I got there. I just grabbed JC from the merch booth because she was working that booth. And I was like, we're going to go do this together. And it was so much fun. I mean, I think they were kicking us out of the room after two hours. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it really was because there was no agenda, really. I mean, they did speak and they did introduce some of the Dianas and they were hilarious because they were just speaking off the fly. And it was, it was just, it was just a great time. You felt like you were with all your girlfriends, even though you may not have known anybody's name in the room. See, and that's what is so cool about the hunting community in general, whether it's male or female, is that I feel like if you're a hunter, your connection with another hunter is almost instantaneous. That mm -hmm. it's you automatically have, you know, a set of ideas and you know, goals that you can talk about and, and similar experiences and, you know, just the, the lifestyle just makes things so much easier. And, and also the intensity of the experience. I think that while you're on a hunt with someone, um, you become friends so much quicker than if it was just a girls weekend or something like that, it's just, it's a, it's a different, different layer. I agree. That bond is instant through experience. For sure. Okay. So tell me what is going on. I see you started a new Instagram page about conservation or awareness or something. I haven't really grasped that. Then you've had some changes in your world and everything. So I just know you have a lot of awareness to bring to the community and I want to hear all about it. Sure. Um, so one of the 
weird things that I am going through right now is I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And for me, it felt like really bad jet lag that I couldn't get over where it'd be like, oh, I've got to take a nap every afternoon before I go and pick up my son from school. And it's to the point where it's like maybe an hour or two, an afternoon, I have to sleep and I'm just exhausted. And it's very weird. And I thought at first was, oh, you know, it's, it's stress and I'm, I'm working on my PhD and I'm you know, a mom and a wife and a professional and maybe it's just Life. You know, hormones of yeah. getting older. Yeah. <laughs> and everything as far as my normal blood work was 100%. You know, there, there was no indicators of a weird, you know, liver this or thyroid that, or, you know, we need to put you on medication because something, well, everything was great. Um, it has been. So it wasn't a big shift of, of something as far as a Western indicator. So my husband, Ricardo, he had a fall coming off a mountain after a mountain goat hunt, um, sprained or they thought that he sprained his ankle ended up being that his foot collapsed and the bones died and he had to get a surgery on his foot and he's almost out of the cast um in like a week he'll be out of the cast so it's been a, a bit of a recovery but while we were going through the process of jumping around to different orthopedic specialists and surgeons and things like that, he's having all this joint pain that it felt like both angles and both feet were messed up. And he has issues with his shoulders and they're like, oh, it's because you're a bow hunter and it's, you know, all the pulling. But it's like, well, you're really only pulling on one side. You're not really pulling from the other side. So why is it on both sides? And it just got more and more intense where we were on a hunt in Morocco and that's some serious elevation changes in the Atlas mountains. And we did a couple big climbs, um, for the first couple days. And then after, I think it was maybe the third day, he couldn't walk anymore. He literally had to crawl from the bed to the bathroom because his, like ankles and feet were in so much pain. And this is when we thought that it was just a sprain. Um, so we canceled the trip uh, kind of right then and there, flew back to get more medical um, reviews. And that's when we found out that it was actually the, the break and the, the foot collapsed. But through all this, Ricardo was going to an integrative medicine doctor and was like, there's something else wrong. Because if all my joints are just so painful and this is what's happening and I keep getting kind of put off that, oh, well, it's, you know, you're pulling too heavy weight bow and you're getting older and da, 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 da. it's like, no, there's something that's wrong. There's something else. And so they did a ton of blood tests and hair tests and you know, urine tests and it just we were sending stuff everywhere and got everything was was looked at and reviewed um and it came back that he had Lyme disease and um also co-infections with mold and other no way other like bacteria stuff so I was like oh my gosh like a little 
petri dish I mean, ugh. <laughs> and like, you think that's just from yeah. travel like where would he get into all the mold and everything well so that's the thing he's like well you know i'm like you and he's like well you kind of gotta test yourself too because anywhere i've been you've been so you probably full of all these little beasties crawling around too like, oh great so <laughs> awesome so go in and I get the the blood tests and go through all the procedures and this is about like a month after his diagnosis and I say no you have you have Lyme as well and that's why you're so tired and why your joints are kind of achy that I kind of just blew off and whatever and um we need to put you on the same protocol that your husband's on and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, if everything from a Western medicine annual physical perspective looked fine, how many people are going through their life thinking that they're fine and they have these types of things where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my, my joints are achy or, you know, I can't, I can't sleep very well, but then I'm tired during the day or, you know, it, get diagnosed with things like lupus or scary things like ALS or um, Bell's palsy or, you know, Parkinson's. I mean, serious type things, um, but are just misdiagnosed because the ultimate reason could be Lyme. It could be bacteria versus something that Western medicine and doctors are looking at. And what's really really wild is that I've probably had Lyme for 20, 25 years. No way. Because if we look back at kind of my medical history, I had some funny heart things when I was in high school where I fainted when I was playing ice hockey and they never could really diagnose it, but it never really bothered again, bothered me again. And, you know, different things that, have spiked up with migraines or, you know, just weird fatigue at weird times. And it's basically so that's a disease that goes dormant. It does. And so it can flare up and it can attack a certain, not attack, but like burrow in, like literally like think of these little spirochetes that, you know, like burrow in on joints on like the, the tissue on on your on your chest like in between your lungs i mean it's it's really grody but it's so misdiagnosed and we are all extremely outdoorsy people our lifestyles with our dogs you and i were talking earlier that you know our dogs are at our feet right now i mean Mm -hmm. we all do the tick stuff but i mean how many times have you pulled a tick or something off a dog just from running through the field or through the woods and we live with them. Right. So, you know, people with horses and just active outdoor lifestyle, just hiking and camping. And what's wild about Lyme disease is that it comes and it goes. So you can have good days and you can have bad days. And you can be like, oh, well, here's a pattern. Let me go to the doctor, talk about something. But then they can't find anything. So they're like, oh, no, you're, you're fine. Or it's just a flu or whatever. You know, don't worry no about virus. It. It'll yeah, pass. You know, here's yeah. some antibiotics or here's, you know, some cough medicine, take some Tylenol and you'd be good. But no, it's, there is a root cause to it. And 
it is, I was doing some research after you know, getting this diagnosis. What does this even mean? Because we all hear about it and we think that it's kind of like New England, Northeast centric, but mm-hmm. it's in all 50 states. It's been found in over 80 countries. Um, it is something that is probably misdiagnosed as, as other diseases or other illnesses. And ultimately the antibiotic courses that they 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 give you, if you are diagnosed, usually don't do anything because Lyme disease or the little Lyme bacteria can create a biofilm around, around them so that they imitate a normal healthy cell and then the antibiotics disregard it. How was this created in the wild? Who knows? Like it's maybe, nature. maybe it's like another Chinese. I mean, that sounds quite intelligent. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. And, but because as you're saying, with it being created in the wild, it has, you have a better reaction to like herbs because herbs evolve and change and are processing and your body processes it differently. So it's, for for what Ricardo and I are doing, it's like I mean we look like a like a, a vitamin store on our on our you know kitchen counter because there's so many tinctures and herbs and vitamins and you know shake mixes and stuff like that to be able to to essentially get in there and kill this bacteria. So um, is there a solution? Because the, like I told you, I had a friend that they misdiagnosed this for so long that her symptoms were debilitating and it was pitiful to watch her. Is there a solution? Is there a cure or are you going to maintain forever and just like combat your symptoms? It's, there is no cure. There is no cure. So what's wild is that only 25% of people actually see that stereotypical bullseye ring where the, where the tick bit you. Mm-hmm. Um, as a as an early symptom that you've contracted Lyme disease, so most people I don't even remember ever getting getting a bullseye or anything like that. So I mean, I've certainly had plenty of ticks on me, but I don't remember that as a specific time when it happened. Um, and then the CDC uh, testing is only sixty percent accurate. So if you, so, I mean, it it doesn't even, it doesn't even work. So it's, it's really, really weird because the, the testing that Ricardo and I had to do were, was out of pocket. It was a blood test, um, something totally separate from again, normal Western medicine. And we had to go to a specialist that. Oh my gosh. No. And then it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's like how many outdoor people potentially have this that you know they, they will tire they're a little achy but it's and this should be on their annual checkup almost yeah. like Everyone. you should be covered by insurance if you and, are in the outdoors yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's just wild so i like i said that i never i never realized that that lime was so prevalent so even with these really bad testing results um there's over 500,000 people who get 
um, Lyme disease every year. Or that, a that's, year. That's what's reported. So that's more than HIV, AIDS, and breast cancer diagnoses combined. So think about that. I mean, think about like all the runs and, you know, fundraisers and stuff we do for these other medical things. But then here's Lyme disease that's even more, more prevalent. And there's not even the awareness. I mean, I didn't know any of this stuff. I mean, six months ago, and I don't even know probably everything that there is to know. But I mean, it's just, it's, I'm just flabbergasted with, how little information is out there and the protocols with every different doctor is different and there's no silver bullet. I would say I feel the best after doing where you take all these herbs and they do what's called ozone blood therapy, where they take like a bag of blood of your own blood and they draw it and then they inject it with, I believe it's O3 is what ozone is. So it makes it all bright pink and bubbly. And then glutathione, which is a real serious immune system booster. And then they put your own blood back into you. Oh my gosh. How often do you have to do that? Well, I, it's a, a once a week and a week. it's, it's, um, yeah, no, I, I look, I look like a, I don't want to say it, but I look like a, so like a, a druggie or something because I've got all these like holes in my arms. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But, it, but I mean, so that happens and then there's like a die off. And then the biggest thing that you have to do is purge yourself. So obviously a, a natural elimination, but then also sweating. So I go into a infrared sauna. I've worked up to about 50 minutes at 158 degrees. So it's super, super hot and it infiltrates your body and it changes like your internal temperature and you just sweat, 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 sweat. So it's again, just once there's the bacteria die off, then you've got to get it out. Yeah. And that's where the real issue is, is that your body becomes toxic with the die-off. Like if you think of... Oh yeah, you can't just leave it in your body. Exactly. So if you think of like a like a roadkill deer, it gets putrid and like bubbles up and it pops and you get vultures and they clean it up and whatever. But if that happens on a microscopic level where something dies and then it gets festery and grody, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but... <laughs> that it's got, you got to get rid of it. And so that's when you get super, super sick is if you can't eliminate it fast enough. Oh my Um, gosh. That makes so much sense after watching her suffer. And she would have those horrible migraines where she just couldn't get out of the bed and it just, the migraines would wreck her body and then everything hurt. And, and she didn't have all this knowledge. So you're so fortunate to have found somebody with information. And a process. And it, like I said, I mean, it's like, we are outdoorsy people. We are exposed to ticks basically every day. I mean, running my dogs or going for a walk or whatever. And there's just not this general knowledge of what's going on. And so, yes, you can live with Lyme. You can deal with the aches and pains. 
But why you want to go through that treatment is to get rid of it because it can ultimately get into your brain. It can get into your bones. It goes beyond your bloodstream and it can affect you walking. It can affect your equilibrium. It can affect your you know, brain fog and being able to articulate things. So it's, it's a serious thing that you do have to pay attention to and not just blow off that. Yeah. Okay. I've got Lyme disease and I have achy joints or I'm really tired, but it's like, you gotta, you gotta get rid of it. So at least to a point where your immune system can control the flare-ups. And so that's the whole big thing is, is just bolstering our immune systems to be able to handle, handle that and, and the detox, the flushing. So wild stuff, wild stuff. Um, and again, it's, it's not a, something that's talked about. It's Never. And, and it's so bad because this just happened. We were in Nashville, turkey hunting for um, the Provider Life TV show on MoTV. And so Chad's camera guys are there. Well, of course, they're from all out West, right? So we come to the South and we're, they don't have fields and pasture and <laughs> trees and all the things that we have down here out there in Reno, right? And so we're turkey hunting and they're having to sit in the briar patch and just everything, you know, and just hide. No. Downloading content from the day and all this stuff and tom was like oh my god there was a tick on my arm and i just flicked it off i was like freaking out you know and then and then jack's freaking out because there's a tick crawling on the floor and they're sitting there telling us this at night at dinner and i'm like why do y'all freak out like it's just a tick you know because we were raised with them in the like in the regions that you and i grew up with like you just didn't sweat it you just burned them yeah. off the match or you tweezered them off you threw them in the toilet flushed it gone never thought about it again yeah and guys were flipping out I'm like it's not a snake I'd be more freaked out that a copperhead was crawling up my leg or something you know sure and and then I thought about you like immediately I was like you know what there is like a massive fear of this that we have grown up not thinking about because it's just normal and it's not normal like they're there's a lot of consequences to having them around. Well, and also one of the articles I was reading is that it's not potentially not just ticks that carry it, that it can also be mosquitoes and horse flies and spiders. And so, or also, oh, my God. so it's what like, any because it's, it's a, it's, it's like a, a bloodborne type thing. So it has just a, a very, we don't, we don't know. And it's like, I don't know why there's not more research and, you know, support and awareness groups and fundraisers and stuff like that. Because as you said, with your friend, I mean, you saw it changed the quality of her life, you know, that it, that she, she would be so ill and sick. And I mean, there are people that can't get out of bed because of it. So that's a, just a, it's a, it's kind of like Pandora's box, like new fear unleashed. <laughs> it's like, like you said, we, we don't, we don't think about it. 
we don't think about. And then once you say if a mosquito can transport this and infect us, like we're just SOL, like you can't how you can't get away from mosquitoes. Well, I mean, that's what they're saying. I mean, there was also an article that was saying that it's potentially sexually transmitted again because of the concept of it being a bloodborne pathogen. And I've always, you know, every couple of months donated blood and I was looking over the guidelines on, you know, that now that I've, I've gotten diagnosed with Lyme disease, am I able to give blood? And yes, I am. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if it's a bloodborne pathogen, how am I able to be donating blood? That's scary. So, so it, I mean, again, it's, it's a whole, it's, it's a whole genre that I just, I don't know. I don't know enough, but I know enough to be flabbergasted with some, some of these things that I keep coming up with, but it's sounds like a lot of holes in the system. Well, it, it is. And it, it's, you know, there's also with it being treated with herbs and not having a specific protocol that there's also a lot of kind of like snake oil kind of stuff where, where you don't necessarily, if you don't trust the doctor, then there's a lot of people that might want to take advantage of certain elements too, because there isn't a specific way to do it. And when I've posted online, I've, I've heard from a lot of different people of, oh, try this and try this supplement and do this. And we went here to this specialty place in Scottsdale and there's a really good one in Florida. And well, you can't go to anywhere in the States because they don't test for X, Y, Z. They only do this. So you got to go to Mexico. And I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very um, gray world as far as how to treat it. And I think that a big part of it is because of, you know, bodies are so unique that you got to find the right doctor that you kind of follow, follow suit on. But so that's what Ricardo and I have been doing the past couple months. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think, did you guys not start a new Instagram page or Ricardo did before all this happened and, and then kind of took over? So So you have, is it a new foundation? Yes. So one of these, Ricardo and I are, are very passionate about giving back. And I have, my professional job is in the nonprofit world with consulting from, you know, anti-poaching to wildlife rehabilitation to different types of nonprofits that support outdoor education and and such. So that's my whole, my whole world and, and wheelhouse. So Ricardo and I have purchased a house in San Antonio that we are going to use as kind of like a private gallery. So it's not going to be just open to the public, but by appointment and then also use it for kind of like venue type stuff, cocktail parties and dinners and different things. And with that, all of the pieces that we're going to have in this property are going to be for sale and it will be for conservation. So all of the net proceeds 
from a sale of a piece of art or a cool African artifact or something like that um, would go to conservation. So the foundation that we've created is Longoria Hosmer uh, Foundation. And that is what is going to be running this kind of like a, a socially responsible business. Um, and the venue would be for like-minded organizations and different things like that. So that's that was kind of our new our new project. That's so great. And what a great place to start something like that. Yeah, and it's and it's right across from a, a really special uh, like social dinner club. So there'll be a lot of good uh, synergy where it's like, okay, we might have a cocktail party before, and then if we're working with a nonprofit, they can use our venue, but then go over to the social club and have their gala or their something like that so hopefully there'll be some some tie-in for that but it's um all well-known artists like like john banovich or um murray grant who does beautiful bronzes and then some european uh wildlife artists so all the all of the theme for the artwork is all wildlife and wilderness type conservation pieces so for instance, one of the big projects that we're working on is Ricardo and I bought a original from John Banovich. And it's this beautiful painting of these elephants walking through the papyrus. It's magnificent. It's, I think it's about six feet by four feet. I mean, it's just spectacular. And so with working with John, we said, okay, this is our ultimate goal. And with John also being quite a philanthropist, we said, okay, we own this painting. What if we were to do glissés off of this original painting and then be able to sell those glissés and have the proceeds go to conservation? So then we're working with, you know, we've talked with Ivan Carter and we've talked with a handful of other nonprofits in in Africa, looking at specific elephant-based conservation projects so that we can tie directly a, a tangible project to the funds of selling pieces, the glissés from our bigger painting. Mm -hmm. so different collaborations and things like that, but then just, you know, creatively utilizing our platforms and our resources and our relationships and connections to be able to continue to help and support wildlife and, and wilderness. Yeah. And outreach, just the education alone of the people that would attend an event at your place. It may be their introduction to conservation. For sure. For sure. And also, I think that so, so often in the hunting world, we talk about hunting as conservation, but it's, it's a hard concept outside of our community, outside of the hunting world, where someone who has no connection to hunting can be like, well, okay, you just shot an animal, it's dead. How is that conservation? Like there's just a real disconnect in that terminology. And if we're able to tie very specific hunting-based collections and um, different things to tangible projects, it can 
create more of that link and help with that disconnect that otherwise might not be as clear. Right. Yeah, that's so great. So what, do you have anything new coming up? Um, we don't sit still very long. (laughs) Well, it's crazy because we've had a bunch of cancellations because of Ricardo's uh, foot surgery and being in a cast and then fighting this Lyme disease and needing to be here for the treatments. And so we've, we've canceled Ethiopia, we've canceled Tanzania, we've canceled South Africa and Mauritius this summer. So we basically are home until September. And this will be not fun to be in the hottest time of the year in Texas. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll we'll be it'll be nice to be around just friends and family and recuperate and everything. But um September, we are planning to do a trip to South Africa, and it's actually a really interesting trip. So Ricardo is, um, he was the most recent award recipient of the Ashby Bow Hunting Foundation uh, Award, and that is essentially, I would say, probably the greatest honor for a bow hunter. And he has gotten involved with the organization, not as a, a board member or anything, but just more invested in, in what they're doing. And Ashby Bowhunting Foundation creates testing opportunities for testing the lethality of a bow and arrow. So they'll test broadheads, they'll test arrow shafts, they'll test bow equipment, they'll test the energy that goes into the penetration, the, you know, the speed and, you know, foot pounds and, you know, all the different science behind it. And then that science is what's given to uh, countries, to governments, you know, provinces, states, um, regions to be able to determine their bow hunting laws, where it's like, okay, if you're going to shoot a K buffalo, you need XYZ as the minimum in order to make sure it is lethal and ethical to be hunting with a bow and arrow. So we're going down to South Africa and we're going to basically just hunt Cape Buffalo for three, three weeks straight. I think we have something like 30 buffalo that we'll be hunting specifically with different types of equipment and broadheads and collecting all the data, which will then be used by the South African government and potentially shared with uh, different countries like Botswana that doesn't have um, bow hunting right now for pachyderms like elephants and larger thick skin animals. So it's kind of a, a research research hunt. So that's going to be interesting and, and fun. But again, tying to the concept of giving back and working with nonprofits that we're able to now create research hunts for people where they can go, for instance, to South Africa and book a Ashby Foundation testing hunt, hunt a buffalo, um, probably a management one, I mean, like a proper old 
bull, but not not something like fifty inches or something. Yes. It's for for science, and then have the basically the worksheets and be able to take notes on everything on on the equipment, and then give the equipment. Excuse me, give the the notes back to Ashby. Um, and have completed a great hunt, but for only $5,000 and $5,000 would be a donation to Ashby. So it'd be a tax write-off. So if you know anyone that wants to go on a $5,000 tax write-off, bow hunt for scientific research, let me know. But <laughs> what a story a that would be too, for you to come back and say, not only did you provide for the community there, but Ooh, for, for worldwide sure. knowledge. Yeah. Sure. Because yeah, everything's awesome. changing so much within bow hunting and crossbows and you know, just the technology of the equipment is modifying to be able to have that information for the legal and legislative side of, of countries to be able to make their the best decisions that they can Again, tying back to, to ethics and our our responsibility as hunters to make sure that we're using the right equipment. So that will well, be it. I hate that we have already like spent our time because we didn't even get to talk <laughs> about your wing shooting across the world. <laughs> I I never get to talk to you about it. So we are gonna have to do another episode yeah. and get to talk about all the wing shooting, but it was important for us to catch up and hear all the things that are going on in your world because it isn't something that is talked about. And I know that you are gonna find all the answers or the questions that haven't been answered and share them with us. Um that's that's really one of your strengths. <laughs> And so we are praying for you guys as you navigate this uncertainty. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity to just talk about it and to share what I've learned because hopefully it will inspire other people to think twice about their, their own health and to investigate further as their own, their own advocate for themselves where it's like, no, something, something's off. I need, I need to, to look in other places and, investigate this more for themselves because you know ultimately health is our, our greatest gift and we got to keep it up in order to keep the lifestyle that we love so much i know i know so you guys um thanks for sticking it out with this episode with all kinds of medical education but we will be back <laughs> with Britt talking about wing shooting all over the world and being how she was raised in the northeast um, in the grouse woods and she's always had a bird dog and she's been able to take that and experience it everywhere. And I want to share that because it's so special. Like there's not very many stories like the ones that you have. And I think it gets overshadowed by you going all over the world, killing big game. And I'm like, no, it's super special. <laughs> she's taken a lot of wing shooting, um, to places that women don't get to hear about, you know, that's, it's just not a common thing that, you know, not, there's, there's not a lot of dads like Papa Joe, right. You know, that opened up doors and they got to tag along. And so I want to talk about that next time. Sounds like a plan. Okay. All right. Well, if there's anything we can do for you, you know how to reach us. Thanks, Anna. I appreciate it. Pick
Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me 